0: What were you thinking while I was sitting there? (laughs) How much time do you think elapsed? Any guesses? Three minutes? What did it feel like? It was exactly 60 seconds. One minute. And uh, some of you probably thought, what's he doing? He lost his mind. Um, how did you feel? Was it kind of awkward? Huh? For some of you, yeah, a little bit? Now, we have that saying that silence is golden. The truth is there are times when it's not. What you just experienced for most of you was the opposite of one of those moments when silence is, is, is golden, correct? I mean, there are golden moments of silence. Not. A grandparent, and uh, we love it when the kids come, when the grandkids come, when that little redhead comes up after, you know, being away for a while and, and gives us that hug and said, I missed you, and gives me that big hug, you know, beautiful moments. But I have to tell you, after a few days or a week or two weeks when they leave, and it's just Monisa and me, we sit down and they just silence. Oh, that's golden. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Yeah. There, there are, there are moments when silence is just it's beautiful. It's golden. It really, it really is. But there are other times when it's uh, awkward. Research tells us that uh, people want more uh, downtime, more quiet, more silence in their lives. In fact, research tells us people need more of it. But it's not always comfortable. There's, I didn't know this until recently, but there's actually uh, across the country uh, a few what's called uh, anechoic chambers. It's, it's these rooms with panels and stuff that absorb all the sounds and all the waves, and and it's 99.8 percent effective. And when when you're in that room and it's closed and you're sitting down in a chair, all sound except the sounds your body makes. Are gone. It's the, those rooms are the quietest place on earth. There's no ambient noise. There's nothing. The only the only sound is your body. It's it's you. And what they what research says is that your ears adjust in that darkened room. Just sitting in that chair, no sound but your body. Your ears adjust, and you begin to hear your heartbeat. You hear your lungs. Um, uh, you begin to hear your stomach gurgling loudly. You, you have to sit down because you become disoriented, and it drives people nuts. What's the longest you think anyone? In fact, this is sometimes where astronauts train for the silence of space. What's the longest you think anyone has been able to stay in one of those one of those uh, chambers? How long? Forty five minutes. When there's absolutely no other noise but your own body. Forty five minutes is the longest anyone has made it in one of those. And and, and silence, you know, we, we I agree we, we need silence and we need quiet time and we need downtime, we need rest. But the truth is there are times, there there are times in life when silence is just tough. It's awkward. And I want to talk for a few moments today. About two times in life when silence is not golden, okay? And, and if you have your Bible, go ahead and open with me to Psalm 28 in the Old Testament, Psalm 28. Two times when silence is not golden. It's when, in fact, actually, it's pretty bad. It's horrible. And here's the first one. Silence is not golden when God is silent, You ever had a a season in life when it felt like, seemed like you could not hear God, you couldn't sense God, God was just a million miles away, and and, and you wanted guidance, you wanted direction, but it, it just seemed like God was not saying anything, God was quiet. Psalm 28 verse 1, the Bible says, To you, O Lord, I call my rock, do not be deaf to me. He's saying, God, I'm calling out to you, praying to you, Don't be deaf. I want you to hear me, God. Listen to my prayer. For, because, he continues, if you are silent to me, God, you, you don't respond. You don't say anything. I don't hear you. You're silent to me. I will become like those who go down to the pit. He said, God, when I don't hear you, when there's not communication between us, It's like I'm the living dead. It's like I'm someone who's been buried, and God, there's there's nothing. I'm a walking zombie, if you will. That's what it's like, God, when I can't hear you. And one of those times when silence is not golden is when God is silent. Now, there, there are different reasons for us not to hear God at times in life. There there are spiritual reasons. Sometimes we we struggle to hear God. God seems silent because there's sin in our lives and we're not dealing with it. Sometimes it's as if God is silent because we've been disobeying God. He's showed us some things to do, His will, and and we're we're not doing what He's already told us to do. Sometimes it seems like God is silent because we're not submitted to His Lordship and to His will and to His rule in our lives. We're focused on what we want, not on what God wants. It seems like God is silent sometimes because um, God's trying to teach us something. God is trying to show us something, or maybe God's trying to grow our faith. Maybe in the silence, God's trying to increase our faithfulness simply because we love Him and trust Him, not because of just all the stuff He does. Spiritual reasons. There's also emotional reasons for for sometimes it seems like God is silent. For instance, you're just exhausted. You're drained. You're beat down. Life has just taken from you everything you have to give, and you need to get away, rest, and renew physically so you can renew emotionally. That's, that, that was Elijah's experience in the Old Testament. And that can cause you to feel like, where's God? I can't hear God. Sometimes uh, you become too invested in the wrong things. You become emotionally invested in things that aren't healthy emotionally invested in things that are leading you away from God's plan for your life and, and that can make it difficult for you to hear the voice of God and it's a miserable experience. There's also practical reasons. Sometimes we we stop hearing God's voice because we've been really inconsistent in our quiet time in our Bible reading and our, our praying. Or perhaps we have a hard time hearing God because we've just gotten too busy. We've we've taken on too many things. We've we we we've, we've just inundated our our time and our bodies and our lives with stuff and with activity, and and we've we, we don't have the ability just to be still for a moment, and actually hear the voice of God. And and I think the psalmist was accurate when he said those moments are like the Walking Dead. It's like you're dead. They're, they're not pleasant. But when God speaks, listen, often it's in a, in a very soft voice. Sometimes it's in a really loud voice. But here's the thing. Every time God speaks and every time we hear God and every time we respond obediently to, obediently to what God says, it's life-altering. It's life-changing. In Psalm 29, God's voice is described with some beautiful, powerful uh, pictures or symbols, uh, that that chapter says that God's voice is like thunder on the water. It says God's voice is powerful, it's that, that God's voice is, is so powerful that it can break the trees, it can create a flame of fire, that it shakes the wilderness and, and strips the forest bare like a tornado blows through and just, just strips everything away. When God speaks, whether it's in a soft voice or a loud voice, we hear him, and we respond obediently, and in faith, things always change. Let me let me illustrate it in my own life for a moment. I, you know, we recently celebrated my 30th anniversary, and thank you for uh, everything you did for me and uh, Monisa. It's been a great 30 years here as your pastor. But I, I, rem- I, w- I want to share with you why I came to First Baptist Rock Hill 30 years ago. I was a 29-year-old pastor in Sumter and the committee and I had been talking for a few months and, and uh, I was hesitant. There were great people in this church and I, I knew it had great potential but I also knew there would be great challenges uh, transitioning the church and some pain involved and, and what those were is irrelevant. And I was hesitant. And I wasn't sure God wanted me to pastor this church. What I didn't know was that God wanted me to come for the trial weekend, and that's that's kind of odd, you know. God wants you to you know, come and preach as a, in, in lieu of a call, but I'm not certain God wants me to go as pastor. So I took that one step of faith, and I was going to preach on Sunday morning, first Sunday in November, 1987. But the Saturday before, we had a reception downtown, and, and some of you, some of you will remember the, the campus downtown and the fellowship room. We had a reception that Saturday afternoon, numbers. People coming through and speaking to me, and I don't remember a lot about it other, other than, uh, you know, it was in that room, and it wasn't anything that anyone said, but there was a moment. And some of you will think this is strange, but this has happened to me twice in my life, and each time it's been life altering. During that, that reception, during that receiving line, there was a moment. There was just that brief moment when in my head, not my heart, In my head, I heard God speak audibly to me. Now, there have been many times, just like for all of us, we feel impressions from God, right? The sense of God's leading. That's not what this was. There was an audible voice in my head, and God spoke to me that day. And through all the ups and downs of life, all the ups and downs of ministry, the ups and downs of three decades, that voice from God, It's why I'm here. And when you hear God, whether it's in a loud voice like that or a very soft one as you're reading Scripture and He's just impressing upon you things that He wants you to do, when you hear God speaking however He speaks, it changes lives. So what do you do? What do you do when it feels like God's not talking? What do you do when it seems as though God is silent? Well, let me share some things with you. If you've got a place to write these down, do so. First thing I would encourage you to do when it feels like God is silent is to, to look in the mirror and ask God to help you see: is there sin in your life? Sin that you need to confess, that you need to forsake, sin that you need to apologize for or make restitution for, sin that You need to deal with it because that becomes a barrier between you and God's voice. Secondly, spend more time reading God's Word. Third, spend more time praying. But not just praying anyway. I want to encourage you to pray Scripture. To get into the Scripture, do what I call scriptural meditation. You're reading Scripture, and you take a verse, you take a phrase, you take a word in that verse, and you meditate on it, you reflect on it, you think about it, you ask God to speak to you. And then whatever He says to you, whatever He prompts you, you answer Him. And your prayers suddenly, rather than you praying always what you think and what you want and what's on your mind, because we can get in a tunnel, okay? When you start praying Scripture, it becomes a dialogue and you're answering God, and suddenly you begin praying about things God wants you to talk about, not just what you want to talk about. And there is something freeing in that, something spiritually profound and powerful in that. So learn to pray Scripture. You'll pray about things you would otherwise never pray about. Journal. Now some of you love to journal. Others of you hate to write anything. But uh, sit in and write out some prayers. Write out your thoughts. Just, just talk to God on paper. Listen to others. W- which others? Godly others, okay? And, and listen to them as, as they talk about what God's doing in their life. Because when you hear about what God is doing in another person's life, all of a sudden you might find inspiration and direction and hope and help for your own life. See, you're getting outside yourself. You're opening yourself up to 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 hear the voice of God in all these different ways rather than just always focusing on yourself and being internal so to speak. Listen to worship music. Online CDs, however you want to do it, listen to some worship music, fill your mind and thoughts with godly things, listen to some sermons. Be quiet and just get away and wait on God. Rest, retreat. And two more things, when it feels like God's not speaking, because sometimes when we're not hearing God, we think we have to go out and change everything, shake it all up, right? And uh, sometimes that's the worst thing you can do because when you're making a lot of changes without clear direction from God, often you're going to make wrong changes. So when you're struggling to hear the voice of God, be faithful. Be consistent. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. And search your heart and ask the question, is it fully surrendered to whatever God might say to me? So The first silence that really isn't golden is is when God is silent because hearing the voice of God through His Word as the Holy Spirit makes it live within us as He gives us direction for life, it's life-changing. But there's a second silence that is not golden. The first one is when God is silent. The second one is when you and I are silent. When you and I are silent, there's nothing golden about that. If you have your Bible I want you to open it with me to Ezekiel chapter 3, and uh, I I think I've got the words on the screen for you as as, as well. But uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, yeah, there they are. Look with me at verse uh, verse 18. Let's just read this for a moment, verse 18. Now, God is speaking, and he says, When I say to the wicked, to, to those who are lost, you will surely die, and you, now us, okay, those of us who know him, do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way that he may live. That wicked man, that lost person, will die in his iniquity, in his sin, but his blood I will require at your hand. Now, a couple of things about that verse. Look at the next slide on the screen. The condition, the reality of those who are without Christ, those who are lost, the, the, the wicked, they'll die. And when they die, they die in their sin. They do not die forgiven. They they do not die cleansed. They do do not die guilt-free. They die in their sin with all the consequences of sin still attached to them. That's their reality. That's why evangelism matters. That's why relationship with Christ matters. But that's their reality. Now what about our reality, those of us who are followers of Christ? Well, let's look at the next slide. So that, that wicked man, I say to him, he'll die. And you, those of you who already have life, who are already forgiven, who already have Christ, do not warn him, do not speak out to him. What happens? He dies in his sin. But look at the end of the verse. His blood I will require at your hand. Now, I'll be honest. I don't fully understand what that means. But I do take it that God is saying it is a serious matter for believers, for followers of Christ to be quiet when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to inviting, when it comes to evangelism. That God says, yes, the reality of the lost is they are lost and they will die in their sin. But it's my people. There is a judgment for you if you fail to speak, if you remain silent. This is another time when silence is not golden, when in reality it is horrible, it is dangerous, it is serious. Now look at the next verse, verse 19. He said, yet if you have warned him, and then he dies in his sin because he doesn't turn, he doesn't repent, doesn't believe, he'll still die in his sin, but... You have what? What, church? It's like you have a life vest. You're on a boat. Someone's in the water drowning, and and you can throw them the life vest. God says if you don't throw them the life vest, I hold you accountable for their drowning. They'll still drown, but I'm not going to let you go scot-free for doing nothing. If you throw the life vest and they still drown, you did what you could. But you've got to throw the life vest. Being silent in this lost world. Being silent in this this hurting culture. Not inviting people to, to church and to our Sunday school parties and our special activities. Not 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 praying for people who are lost and not sharing our story, our testimony of what God's done in our life. Being silent, being being, being quiet, God says, is a, a serious, serious thing. Last night, maybe you've had night like this. I just couldn't sleep. I, I bet I didn't sleep more than an hour or so last night. Have y'all ever had a night like where you just can't sleep? No matter what, nothing wrong, you just can't go to sleep. Maybe I had too much tea or something, I don't know what it was, but uh uh anyway. I was thinking, I got to thinking about this sermon and, and uh, this part of the sermon and, you know, and, and my growing up in a non-Christian family being saved as a teenager. And, and so about about uh, 10 till 4 this morning, I got up and went down to the kitchen and just started uh, making some notes. I mean, if you can't sleep, may as well do something productive. And, uh, but but I start, God started putting in my mind all the people he used to influence me to Jesus. When I was growing up, you know, in a, in a non-church family, a non-Christian family, a non-religious family. And uh, I started writing down their names, thinking about what had happened, and, and, and really they, they fell into two categories, if you will. There were those individuals who just spoke to me through the normal course of life. And then there were individuals God used because they were fulfilling their role in organized ministry. And uh, those who just spoke to me through the, through the normal course of life, of course, most of you know about my uncle and, and, and my, my aunt, Don and Bunny Jean, who were in Detroit, and we were living in Kentucky. And every single time they visited us, they would talk to me about Jesus. And on Sunday, they would go to church. Huge impression on me as a lost kid. But there was also Norma Jean. Norma Jean was a student in eighth grade with me. And I remember her, I still remember as we were changing classes and changing rooms one afternoon, her talking to me about having gone to a revival at her church and about my needing that and me laughingly putting her off. But it stuck with me. And here it is I'm, 50, I'm 59 years old. I've got two weeks yet to say I'm 59. Praise God. <laughs> and uh, I was in eighth grade. I still remember it. It made an impression on me. She doesn't know it, but it did. And then when I was a sophomore in high school, Monday afternoon geometry class of all things, okay, and Evelyn invites me to church that night, their church having a revival. First time I ever went to church was because on Monday afternoon geometry class, she asked me to go to church with her that night. Now, she made it really sweet, said, if you come, you can sit with me, and I wanted to sit with her, so I did. And then there was those organized ministries, people that you know God had called to do things that were evangelistic, to get the word out. And he used it in my life, Miss Young, this elderly woman who was part of some ministry that back in the 60s when I was in elementary school came to our schools and would set up flannel boards and tell Bible stories and stuff. Now remember I remember the Gideons coming to our schools back in the '60s and, and and early '70s and passing out those New Testaments. And I can remember as a little boy who barely knew what a New Testament was, thinking, "Man, that smells so good." And and it, and well, they did. And I'd take it home and I would I would try to read it. And I I remember those TV ministries, a thirty minute. Christian music program every Sunday morning, just a local program with with live singers. It wasn't tape or anything like that. And I'd watch it. Here I was on church, but I would watch that from time to time. And my favorite, my favorite, a 30-minute cartoon every Sunday morning when I was growing up. Any of y'all ever saw the Davey and Goliath cartoons, the little claymation? In fact, I love those so good. I bought the whole set for my grandkids. (laughs) But I would watch those. And here I was this unchurched lost boy growing up in an unchurched home in Kentucky and God used that to speak to me. And, and, and there are people that God had impressed on them to do these things to get the Word of God out and it got out. I can remember watching uh, Billy Graham's Crusades on television. And then the local church, First Baptist Whitesburg, Kentucky, started a bus ministry. Now I remember those people coming by our house and knocking on the door and trying to get us to ride that bus to church and and it was uh t- t- two or three years after they started before I ever rode one of those buses that sophomore year i hadn't I hadn't gotten my driver's license yet and those evangelistic events that church did that they would encourage their teenagers and their students to invite, their friends to. The reason Evelyn turned around and invited me to church with her that night was she was part of that church, and they were having revival, and they had encouraged them to ask people to come to revival with them. And so she turned around and said, come to revival with me. Then what am I saying? God used all of that. It wasn't one thing. It was all those things. I'm not certain one of them would have worked in my life. But he used them all. And so I got to thinking, you know, in the middle of the night, I got to thinking, now what if my uncle and, and, and his wife, when they would come to see us, would do like most people on vacation, not go to church, not say anything to me about Jesus. And, and I got to thinking, what if Norma Jean, that, that, that afternoon in eighth grade, had not told me about going to revival and had the boldness to look at me and say, Steve, that's what you need. And what if Evelyn had ignored the encouragement of the church to invite people to revival and during geometry class she just asked me how to help solve that problem because I was pretty good at geometry but not said anything to me about church and about revival and about Jesus. And, and what if the people who gave money and the people who gave their time to that ministry of going to the schools back in the 60s when you could do that and, and tell those Bible stories and said, we're not going to do that. We don't want to force anything on anybody. And what if the Gideons had not raised the money and these these businessmen gone to schools and passed out these New Testaments? And what if the people with music talent had decided they're they're not going to sing any for Jesus and, and they're not going to put anything on television? And what if Billy Graham had had said, Oh, I can preach and do fine. I don't I don't need all that goes with all these crusades. And what if what if my what became my home church had said, you know. Buying buses and having a bus ministry, that's expensive. And you get a lot of kids at church without their parents and they're noisy and they mess things up. What if that church had said, we don't want, we want to keep our walls clean and we don't want to spend our money on that kind of stuff. What if all of those or some of those had said, we're going to be silent? I thank God they were not silent. What happens when I'm silent? What happens when you're silent? What happens, hey, brothers and sisters, what happens when we speak up? Do you understand that you are here today because sometime in your past, somebody or a whole bunch of somebody's spoke up? Time for us to start talking to start speaking up. let me let me wrap it, wrap this up. I uh, I'm going to preach a series of sermons next month called Living Successfully. Now I got, I got to tell you this is going to be a different type of series than I normally do. It's a different' not going to be a, a traditional sermon. For, for 29 years, I've been doing a quarterly business luncheon. And we'll have 250 or more people in here for each of those, and most of them don't go to church here. It's an outreach opportunity. It's not a discipleship event. It's an outreach opportunity, a connection, connection opportunity. And um, I, I, I do about a 20-minute message at those because of getting them out and back to work. Sundays will be a little bit longer than 20 minutes. But but here's how I describe those messages. A practical presentation from a biblical perspective on a relevant topic. Did you get that? A practical presentation from a biblical perspective on a relevant topic. For about two years, I've sensed God telling me to preach a series of messages on Sundays similar to what I do at the business luncheons. And that's what I'm going to do starting next Sunday. Practical, biblical, relevant about living successfully. Great opportunity to invite people, people who are unchurched, the de church, those who you know, gave up on church, those who are searching and struggling. When you leave today at the exits, the ushers are going to give everybody here one of these invite cards it's the size of a business size of a business card. If you want more than one you can have more than one, but everybody's going to get one. And I want you this week to invite someone. Now listen. I said it's not going to be traditional sermons. It's going to be biblical, but it's not going to be a traditional sermon. And I hope some of you don't get upset about that, but instead support what we're trying to do to reach people, get excited about it, pray for it, and invite people and help us be a New Testament church that not only loves God and loves His Word, but loves lost people. So take your cards and invite people. In fact, a good way to start this whole effort is to be on our knees here before God at the altar just praying for this whole this whole effort. And I, w- I want to close with this, give you one word. You see that word, invite? I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, invite. Go ahead, do it right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, invite. Do it again. Invite. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I will. Come on, you can do better. I will. Now say, I will invite. Come on, say it to your neighbor. I will invite. Now I want you to stand up. Go ahead and stand up right now all over the room. Everybody standing? Everybody standing? I want you to look up. Just look up and just imagine you're looking up to the heavens. You're looking up to glory. You're looking up to God. And I want you to say to God, God, I will invite. Go ahead right now. God, I will. Go ahead. Say it. God, I will. I will. I will invite. Listen, it's, it's, it's heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. When God's quiet, when we don't hear from Him. But brothers and sisters, it's gut-wrenching when Christians are quiet. Because I would have been a teenager who knew nothing about Jesus. I I would have been a teenager who, who never would have gone to church, never would have been saved, never would have been called to preach, never would have seen heaven. Being quiet as a follower of Christ is deadly. But speaking up is glorious. That word, I want that to be our word for 2018. I want you to own that. As a word for your heart soul and life as a part of this family of faith for 2018 and you're going to invite you're going to invite people to your Sunday school parties you're going to invite people to worship at Sunday school you're going to invite people to the special things we do here whether it's a preteen event a youth event a couples event a children's event whatever it is that is our word this next year because God, listen, God wants to talk to us and God wants to talk to the lost and God wants us talking. 2018 is not going to be a year of silence. Can I get an amen on that? Let it be a year where we speak up, where we invite because that's what followers of Christ do. And lives are always changed. So pastors are here. We're going to sing. Make your way to the altar and pray at the altar for this coming year and for people to be saved that, that many, many, many people will say yes to those invitations. Many people will, be, will come to Christ. And this morning we're inviting you to also join this church. Say this is where God wants me to plant my life and serve Him and grow inviting you to come and give your heart and life to Jesus and be forgiven and be saved. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. You come as we sing right now. Make your way to the front quickly. We're waiting for you. Come on.